This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. The fallout inside Pan between Mick McCarthy and Roy Keane divided the nation. Captain Roy Keane was threatening to abandon the side at the very moment he was needed most. My, my thought when it was going off, they, they, they are absolutely going to come to blows here. It's been a troublesome 24 hours in paradise for Roy Keane. Some personal problems which are personal to him and uh, he has to go home. And I went from a meal at half six on the Thursday and I was told it was a meeting at half past seven. And I knew what it was all about. I knew. Roy was sat beside me and Roy said it's going to go off tonight. That's what he said to me. In the middle of it, Mick came in and he had a notebook in his hand and he just said, Roy, there's an article in them. Mick didn't really say an awful lot. Returning from training today, he refused to comment on his decision to quit the World Cup the night before. And boom, that was it. Roy went. 20 years on, the Indo Daily revisits the story. Coming soon, Shadows of Saipan. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Forgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! For the first time since 2019, Leinster are back in the Champions Cup final after their comprehensive 40 points to 17 victory over Toulouse in the semi-final at the Aviva Stadium last Saturday. Tonight on the Left Wing Podcast, we'll be looking back on Leinster's impressive victory and looking ahead to their mouth-watering Champions Cup final clash against Rowan O'Gara's La Rochelle side. Welcome to the Left Wing. Will Slattery here. Keen Tracy will be with us in just a minute. But first, Luke Rochelle is here with me, Luke. Another exciting Champions Cup weekend. Leinster back in the final. It's it's kind of funny to think about it. It's been so long. It, you know, it feels like they've been kind of the top team for the last couple of years. But it shows how tough it is to get into the final of this tournament. Really difficult. Some great teams. Uh, Johnny Sexton spoke about that as well. Um, you know, um, after the match. So yeah, look, delighted for them. Uh, delighted for all the coaching staff. I think they've worked really hard. I think the players have played really well. They deserve to be there. And they've had some hardship over the last couple of years and they've had to do some introspection. And I think they've um, I think they've done that. They look like they've come back better. Um, you know, some old pieces like uh, your Johnny Sexton's and, and Henshaw's, etc. are still looking very strong. But some new pieces that they've added to the puzzle, your Maloney's, uh, you know, I think Jimmy O'Brien's been very good. Hugo Keenan's been good. Doris, 
Um, you know, I think Van der Fleer has been around, but he's obviously we, we've been talking, we've been raving about him for a couple of years. He's playing great too. So uh, lots to be positive about from Leinster. Delighted to see La Rochelle and Rogers, Rogers crew in as well. That was a, a that wasn't as nice a spectacle, but it was still, you know, they're they're pretty effective and it's a daunting task ahead. Um, but I'm sure they'll be looking forward to it. Both teams will think maybe they have Leinster something to prove, maybe. And I think La Rochelle will think they might have an edge on them from last year. So we we'll wait and see on that. Very exciting. And um, I think the, the competition's back. I think it's caught the public's imagination, certainly caught mine. Um, so, yeah, brilliant, brilliant weekend. Do you think they're glad they're playing La Rochelle? Would they prefer Racing? Does it really glad. make a difference to buzzing? Buzzing. I, if I was them, I would be, I would want to correct last year. I think they didn't show up uh, physically in that one. Um, I think the others will have an edge on them. La Rochelle, sorry, will have an edge on them in at scrum and line out, or, or, you know, mall, sorry, not necessarily line out, actually. I think Leinster's, uh, Leinster have competed brilliantly the last couple of weeks at line out time. I think Ryan and Maloney look brilliant at the weekend, but um, they'll have an edge because they're kind of bigger guys. But I think um, defensively, Leinster weren't, weren't way off the mark last year. And that was actually one of the key things. Um, I think in the loss is that you know they just couldn't stop La Rochelle getting over the gain line and they were really passive defensively. If they can stop that and if they can, you know, I think they could concede yards at Mall and line and scrum, even though it's not ideal. Um, you can be under pressure in those areas, but if your defense is going backwards too, you're yeah, you're on a you're on a hiding to nothing. So um I think that's the key thing for Lancer. Get that defense right manage the other two things and impose your attack on them. So um, they'll be go- they'll be buzzing for this one, I think. They'll, they'll, it would be in my mind. Last year hurt bad, I think. Yeah, well, before we look ahead to the final, we're going to look back at the weekend first. We're delighted to have Keen Tracy with us once again. Keen, how are you? All good, lads. How are you? Very good, thanks. So great to have you on again. And for the second weekend in a row, you had a front row seat for Leinster's very impressive victory, this time against Toulouse as they booked their place in another Champions Cup final. Their first since 2019. You know, for, for someone who was there, you know, a lot of us would have been watching on TV. Is there anything in particular you took from the game that maybe stood out to you a little bit more getting to watch them from that good vantage point up in the press box? I think it was more of a continuation of what I had seen the, the week before, Will, in Welford Road. And I was saying this to you guys last week that you're so the press box in Welford Road, you're so close to the pitch. And I thought it was really noticeable, the conditioning of the Leinster players and the fitness levels. And we saw that run out. And I just thought, they, they built on that. They knew that Toulouse had played 100 minutes the week before against Munster, which was certainly a factor, I think, in, in the way the game panned out. But it was just exceptional. I, I like When you look at some of these guys, and I know their minutes have been managed better than anyone, and like we all know that, but just the conditioning of them at this stage of the season, I just think is exceptional. I think that's that's down to the coaching, I think, as much as, as the, the players. I think Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster have really managed the squad well, and they delivered like it really was an exceptional performance. Um, I don't know, like at times I wonder, do we, do we fully appreciate kind of the rugby, the kind of rugby that Leinster are playing at the moment? Um, it was just, it was a joy to watch a privilege to be there. Um, there were a couple of issues. I'm sure we'll get onto them. I think the scrum is becoming a major issue. I would say really, um, but that was kind of the only negative mark apart from the couple of injuries. And yeah, I think the stars are aligning for them. It's 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 really all well set up. I think you've had new we've had news there uh, that Terry Carbarlo is going to be out for six weeks as well. So if you think that that's their key scrum half and it sounds like Will Skelton is going to be out, even though there's kind of kind of already kind of murmurings that he, he might come back. But I just think it's all set up now for Leinster. Um, 
like I said, they're just playing so, so well. You look at like Johnny Sexton again and, you know, will will a lot of people fully appreciate how good this guy is? Maybe only when, when he when he's gone, but for him still to be playing at this level is just exceptional. And it was, yeah, he was just he pulling the strings. I know the pack kind of gave him, I don't want to say an armchair ride because that would be doing a disservice to, to Toulouse, but um it was just it was just brilliant and I, I think they've probably got more in the tank as well I think we saw them running out of steam a little bit over the last couple of years but going to France now next week it, it's massively in their favor the fact that they'll get to rest all their players for Munster this weekend La Rochelle have a massive game themselves they're in seventh in the top 14 table they really need to win at home to, to Stade Francais so um look like I said it's all set up for Leinster to, to go on and win it now I think yeah, look, you know, one thing that has really stood out is the pace that Leinster are playing at, you know, and the accuracy with which they're playing at it as well, coupled with that. You know, how difficult is that to achieve what they've kind of kind of built in that regard? Really difficult. And I, and I think it starts on the training pitch. Like, I think people will talk about rest and things like that. But really, the way they play is very much an everyday thing. It's very much like, um, I think it's kind of a New Zealand mindset. I feel like Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen spent some time in New Zealand as well. Um you know, I think they learned a huge amount from from being out there and the style of rugby that everyone plays. You know, everyone from one to fifteen being able to pass the ball. Uh, it just opens the whole pitch up, up, up for you. You know, and it means that anyone anywhere in the defensive line shuts off. They can get exposed because the ball will get there. And I think the only way you get good at that is by. First of all, the fitness side training ferociously, and they do talk about those sessions having gone up a notch. Like Joe Schmitz were very good, but apparently these are, you know, just from a fitness perspective, they're they're even a jump up from that. And you can see it, I think. Um, I was delighted just in terms of the performance as a whole. I think um, I talked last week about Leinster not forgetting what they're better than to lose at, and it's that pace. It was that pace. They dragged them into deep waters. And the only time is that Toulouse, I think, like, I, I thought the mall defense was very sloppy. It was looked like really, I thought Alalato was really poor. Did you see the, the I mean, how he, he seemed to have gone asleep and then he was moaning to the touch judge before, um, you know, that stuff was driving me crazy. All the players moaning to the referees when the game is still on and they paid the price for that one. But the other one, uh, the other try was the, the DuPont block. Um, and, and to be honest with you, Leinster should have scored there. You know what I mean? And just to come back to that, I think that the, the, I didn't think Toulouse had much of the game. And I think that was because of the pace that Leinster played at. And I think um, they just couldn't live with it. Um, now, they did look a little bit tired. I think they probably did, did have a bit of an off day. And I think they do miss, um, uh, I can't remember the guy who usually plays centre for them, uh, Gito, Gitom. Uh, Gitan, sorry, uh, he they missed him badly in the centres. They got really exposed on a couple of occasions there defensively. Um, but even still, I think most of the problems started for them in around the pack. And generally, what that was was bad decisions. And I think that was because they were tired and because they were making decisions in bits of space that they probably weren't used to doing in top fourteen. Um, and I, I will say the Leinster forwards' handling ability is just exceptional. Um, I mean, Ross Maloney is a guy who, like he was there. Ross was there when I was playing in Leinster a long time ago now. And um, yeah, he's really I mean, I thought his line out work as well, like his basics. Look, we can get on to the, the, the scrum and the issues there and maybe the, the weight differential. But I think if you look at the scrum, yes, that was that was a difficult day out. Um, and I'm sure the weight does tell. Would you think that the impact he made around the pitch probably uh, overshadowed the, the the scrum difficulties? I would say it definitely did, and he was brilliant at the lineout. So, 
Um, yeah, Leinster pack outstanding. Uh, backs were clinical and um, they look they're looking really good. They need to remember now against against La Rochelle, who are again they they might even be a step up in the scrum, um, and possibly at mall time too. Why they're really good, which is the pace they can play at and the decision making that they can continue to make good decisions that they make consistently um, at a very high pace. Really difficult to 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 contain them. Keen, like, you know, I know you're riding with the scrum issue and the potential for it to cause Lancer problems in the final, especially if Tyke Furlong isn't fit after going off at the weekend. But, you know, to, to Luke's kind of point there, do you think that Lancer, if they play like that, they could withstand even another off day at the scrum if they gave away five? If you play like that, like, because if you look at the other games where the scrum has caused them difficulty against Saracen, say, is the key one. They played very poorly, even as, as well as the scrum issues. Whereas if Leinster played to the way they can play at the weekend, they probably could survive it. Or is that, is, well, obviously you wouldn't want to risk it, but, you know, when they play that well. Yeah, like I, I don't think you want to be going into a European final, though, having concerns over your scrum. That would be kind of my point. They've conceded nine scrum penalties in the last two games, four against Toulouse and five against Leicester. And I think this La Rochelle pack is on another level to both those teams, even without Will Skelton. And if Skelton does have a miraculous recovery from this calf injury, then you can do, you, like that just makes it even more difficult. So, um, to be fair, like I think the scrum struggled as well. Like while, like it's it, it's not necessarily all down to Tyg Furlong, but like so much of it does depend on him. And you know, I think Alalatoa has come in. I actually agree with Luke. I was w- watching it back, and I just couldn't believe how poor that the defending Shocking, was on the it? fringe. It was so just, bad. I was like, it was like a brain fart. Now maybe he was tired. I mean, it's a long it's a long game now when you're getting pumped in the scrum. Leinster played a good pace as well. Like that, and, and he had to do a long shift once Furlong was off. He did, but like, I mean, the reason you're bringing these guys in is to supplement, you know, the, the guys that you have. And maybe we haven't quite seen his, his scrummaging tested to that level. And like, it was so telling in the stadium. Um, as soon as Furlong went off, like I was at this, is, I was writing about this on Monday. Like it was a brilliant occasion, like 40 odd thousand Leinster fans. But when Furlong went off, you could kind of feel the air going out of it. Like there was a bit of anxiety around the place and Toulouse fed off that because they just went after Leinster on that side of the scrum. Um, like, so, like I said, another forced scrum penalties to go up on the back of five. So I, I think it's a concern going into a European final. If, if you're not nailed on in like such a crucial area of the game, and I understand the point that, that you were making will, but La Rochelle will go after that big time. Absolutely hey, big time. Can I ask you, like, if Furlong is ruled out, would you be tempted to swap Andrew Porter back to Tighthead and go with Keane yeah. Healy? Yeah, I was wondering about that. No. I, like, like Keane Healy was doing a bit on the Tighthead side as well. I remember earlier on this season. Personally, I wouldn't because I've just kind of, I'm kind of stuck to now that like moving Porter back again is just crazy, but maybe they would. And they have played Keen Healy there as well. And I think Alalatoa gives you a certain amount around the pitch, but and now I'm not a scrummaging expert at all, but I wonder how good of a scrummager he actually is because I think like the likes of Uni Antonio in that, in that La Rochelle pack will, will absolutely go after him. So um, that is a concern. Look, we're being, when your standards are as high as Leinster, like, you know, you are trying to pick out the faults within their game plan because, like, we should be clear about this. Their performance at the weekend was one of the great, I would say, European performance. Absolutely exceptional. But if they want to be the complete team that they're absolutely more than capable of, then you've got to fix your scrum. And I actually think this is a concern for Ireland as well, for, for obvious reasons, because most of the Leinster pack is the Irish pack. Now, you know, 
the scrum went really horribly wrong in Twickenham. And we know after that, that Matthew Reynal had made a couple of decisions which were since proven to be wrong. He was also the ref in, in Leicester and Welford Road when, they, when Leinster conceded five scrum penalties. But the issue is, like, I just think it only takes like a slight bit of doubt in a referee's head and you can quickly earn a reputation for being a scrum that gives away penalties. So I think this has knock-on effects for Ireland going down to New Zealand this summer as well, that if, if the Leinster scrum can't, can't get it right. So um, I think for such a pivotal, pivotal aspect of the game, um, it's vital that they get, they get it right. And just on Luke's point about Ross Maloney, um, I thought he was, he was brilliant. And I, like, I don't think there's too many people who would have predicted that Ross Maloney would have gone on to kind of scale these heights. But as much as that's down to him, I just think it's a, he's a really interesting case study in the absolutely phenomenal coaching that goes on at Leinster because the pullback passes that he was playing oh, on the game line, I mean, he, he didn't play those before. Like, so no. this is, you can see it's down to the coaching that he's getting day in, day out there. And I just think, yeah, it's a testament to what goes on behind the scenes at Leinster. You look at the amount of players who've improved, like James Lowe, Jameson Gibson Park is another guy. Like they, these guys are rapidly, rapidly improving and becoming vital players when a couple of years ago, they weren't even necessarily first choice. Like Jameson Gibson Park is now being talked about as the best scrum half. Sorry, the, the form scrum half in Europe. Like it's hard ah. to argue. It's hard to argue with that. Um, well, you might want to do, do you? Oh, <laughs> I sorry, I didn't think he. Was, I thought he made a few rash. I didn't didn't get a good game in the weekend. Actually, I thought um, you didn't think he was vital to how fast the speed that we we're talking about. No, I don't think. I think Leinster. Uh, no, I don't think he's vital. No. Well, gee, I, he's I would, very dis- good, I would disagree. Very, sorry, he's very good. He had a bad, he had a bad one on the weekend. He, he had a few bad. I thought his, his passing wasn't as good as it usually was. It was really good from some of the from the, that line out pass was incredible. Mm. Um, but the, some of his other stuff wasn't as tidy as it normally is. I think he got away a little bit from it. Um, and I think his kicking game, his attacking kicking game is a bit loose. He had a bad one. He had a brilliant break against Leicester last week, and he kicked one dead. And he had a few like that. That grubber was a terrible decision. Um, you know, I think. I just I wouldn't like to see him go away. For, I feel like he might be going away, trying to be a bit too clever. Like I think his big thing is his pace of delivery, and I think ball in hand for him. I don't think he's I, kicking isn't really like he needs to be able to kick defensively. But attack wise, I'd rather see him kick a little bit less. I don't think he's done it really well, and obviously it's fresh in my mind. Um, you know that the, the the weekend. I mean that was a really bad one, and and could have. I think a worse team that might that might have been a bit. That might have been a bit of a killer against the Toulouse side, you know, when, when DuPont runs that in, when you're about to score a try um, completely against the run of play. So I, I do think he's been very good. I don't, the form guy, I'm not sure. Um, but certainly, yeah, he's, he's been very good. No, he has been, sorry. I just, I didn't think he had a great one on the weekend. I thought it was, it was a sloppier one. Maybe it's coming, maybe I'm measuring it against a very high standard as well, though. So that could be there too. And just on Gibson Park, he didn't actually feature in the semi-final against La Rochelle last year. He was injured and, Obviously, Johnny Sexton didn't play either. So, like the, the starting halfbacks, most likely for the final, neither of them featured last year when they were beaten. Luke, one last thing on the pace. You know, you mentioned from an attacking perspective how difficult it is to achieve that. From a defensive perspective, how difficult is it to defend against? Like, what does it do for you as a defender, especially from your experience, maybe as an outside back? Or, or you know, how difficult is it to kind of, you know, get back on side and, and make your tackles when you're being asked to do so much defensively? It's really difficult because it kind of it's it's has a kind of a compounding effect when the ball stays in for longer as well because you know you end up you can't get off the line so you can't put as much pressure on and um, because as I said earlier on the key thing about about it is 
and Toulouse forgot it an awful lot on the weekend. Your basic rules, like so, Johnny Sex, like buying it, buying a, it. That I feel like the real stress comes in the middle of the line. That's where the real stress is because they're the people who are kind of coming back generally from if like if you're coming off hard, you generally have to come back further. Uh, then you got to get back off the line, get off. Like so it's kind of a bit more tiring in the middle. But but because Leinster can find you in there, you know, you're also you, you can be kind of sitting on your heels a little bit if they get momentum um, and they get quick rook ball. And what it does then is it forces you to think in kind of in relatively big spaces for people who maybe aren't used to it. Like I was amazed with that, the, that the Toulouse guys were, were buying dummy passes out. Like I would be, particularly if you're in the middle of the line, I thought they, I think the key thing against Leinster is to remember that you always want them to be going outside you. Always, always, always. Because their forwards are such good passers, no one's a dead option. So when you see a forward putting another, you know, the, uh, the, uh, I think it was, was it Ross Maloney or, I'm not sure. There was another forward in the first half as well. Put someone through the defender. Over, like I was trying to get out the back to Johnny Sexton and let the, the short forward runner come through. I think Caelan Doris. Fur, furlong for Doris, was it? Fur, furlong for Doris, yeah. yeah. Letting guys come through your line, you just got to remember against Dentistry, that's you can't do it. That's it. You can't do it. And sometimes you're going to have to concede ground. But what you're going to do is you're never going to buy a dummy. You're never going to let someone go empty until they're completely empty. And when I say empty, it means ahead of the ball. So they're not an option. Um, so I think you've got to remember your fundamentals. That's really hard when you're tired and when it's all happening very quickly. And I think what Leinster are really good at is their shape from the forwards are really good. They run these lines that kind of force you to hang on and wait for them, right? wait for them to overrun the pass or wait for the pass with the back a little bit longer than other teams. And it makes it really hard then to connect with the guys outside. So you're always thinking, oh God, I, I think I should be getting out and helping the guy outside. But it's really hard to do that because the, the positions they start in, first of all, are really good. But the, the lines they run and the passing ability means that it's, it just puts pressure on your decision-making for a very long period of time. I think that's why we're seeing teams kind of, I, like I think it's looked quite easy for Leinster at times, particularly when, they're, when their first 15 guys are out there. They've been shredding teams. Like the, I think I don't know what you guys think. I think when you look at like when Sexton's on the pitch, um, you know when that when that whole four pack are really are, are playing the front, they're the kind of first ten guys. They're they're unbelievable. Like they're shredding teams, like good teams, teams that are kind of second, third in the league, teams that are you know powerhouses of European rugby at the moment. They're making it look easy, and it's because everyone does those things so well. Will and and just to 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 tally on that point about defence, Leinster, yes. Of course, it's key for them to remember at the pace of play. But the, the other thing they need to remember is the defensive ability uh, and, and the, um, uh, is, is kind of absolutely key against La Rochelle. That was, the, that was my biggest complaint about last year. I know they struggled at Mall. I know they struggled at, at Scrum. They were really, really passive defensively against La Rochelle. They cannot do that against them. They will get completely exposed. And that was the thing that like, they were just standing on. If, if you get off the line, you don't even need to make because they're big guys, you might not necessarily smash them. But what you do is, if the collision happens further, further back from the gain line, um, you don't. They don't need to be as big collisions either. You don't need to win them. Um, so that's something that I'd be really conscious of if I was Leinster, because I think the scrum thing, you hope you can fix it, but that doesn't look. I'm not be overly positive on that. The defense is definitely something that they can step up from last year, and then it's just about you know imposing your attack on them. And I think they can do that in any team. Just a quick one, one on the on the sorry, uh, Will on the the speed. I, one thing that I think sometimes gets overlooked about the, the kind of Leinster and the kind of go back to the coaching is that. 
they have a breakdown specialist coach, a contact skills coach, for want of a better term. Now, I know it's a huge focus for, for every team in the world at any level, really. But the fact that Leinster have someone who specializes in that area of the game, I think speaks volumes for, I guess, their foresight and like what they see how important it is. You, you look back to the work that Hugh Hogan did in that area of the game. You speak to any of the Leinster players, they'll, they'll tell you how brilliant of a coach he was. Just doing kind of one-on-one stuff. And then obviously the Scarlets picked him up. And Dennis Leamy has come in and you've heard Josh van der Fleer raving about his impact. And now Munster obviously trying to get him back as defence coach. But I think the fact that Leinster have a guy who puts a huge amount of focus on that it allows your Stuart Lancaster, you know, and Leo Cullen to focus on other areas of the game. And I don't know, are there too many other clubs, certainly clubs in the world who who have a specialist breakdown coach? I just think it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant thinking by Leinster and it's absolutely massively paying off for them. Yeah, and just on the coaching situation at Leinster, it will be interesting to see who comes in to replace Felipe Contapomi. He's leaving at the end of the season. He'll like to sign off for the Champions Cup as well. They haven't, I don't think they've won one since he's come back into the coaching ticket, but a good chance this year, obviously, being in the final. One thing I'd like to ask both of you guys, because you know we've kind of discussed it broadly here, is there's so many players in the Leinster team at the moment like playing at the top of their game. It's hard to pick out one person. But Luke, you know, for you, if you go through the, the list of guys there and who's playing well, like who's who's for you the key guy? Who, who's kind of really standing out to you as someone, you know, hitting all their markers and really driving this? I thought Henshaw was unbelievable on the weekend. Um, and he, and, you know, I'd say Johnny Sex was the best player in the park, possibly, um, but he was closely followed. Like, sorry, I know, I, I'll go to my one guy now that I want to talk about, but like the key guys are, are to my mind, those front three of Sexton, Henshaw and Ring, Ringrose, they set the tone for you defensively and an attack. Um, ably you know the, like uh, there's a lot of other guys that help out in that too um but other than that i'd say it's furlong and doris seem to be the key guys along with um with van der Fleer. but the guy i'd like to talk about who i think has made the most strides is low his kicking was unbelievably good i mean he's an absolute cannon and he was kind of he was kicking really accurately as well for the most part i think he's made a massive improvement in his game and i think where he pops up his ball handling ability has really I, I think it complements the rest of his game so well because I think it gives him loads of one-on-one opportunities. And I think he's given everyone else. I think it, it, what it does, him being able to do all these things, it, it means if you're competing with him um, for, for game time, you've got to be able to do that stuff too or you're not going to get picked. So I think it really drives on the standards of everyone else. Um, and you can kind of see that. There's a real willingness from everyone in the back three to get involved and to be to be a passing threat. Like I think some of the back three guys are better than... I, I think they're better passers than um, I'd say maybe the two centers, which you probably wouldn't normally say about a team, but I think the three back three guys are, I mean, certainly better than Ringrose, um, who was, by the way, superb in the weekend as well. Um, but the, the amount of times that they're the one putting someone in space or, you know, um, you know, popping in a first receiver or wherever it is, their second receiver, it's just unbelievable. So Lowe is the guy I think is, I've been the most impressed with. I think his defense as well, he's in way better positions um, way more often and I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him there so um, he's the guy that, that would stand out I know I gave a few more you probably wanted a short answer but I just feel like there's so many interesting guys to talk about um, and Lowe is the guy who I think is playing brilliantly and actually become a really key guy with that left foot yeah just on James like even the stats like I think 18 tries in his last 13 games for club and country and he scored in 11 of those 13 games as well and as you say, you know, the confidence, he, like he had a really tough spell last year after his first Six Nations campaign. He got dropped from the team. He was getting a lot of criticism, you know, even like the end of season, you know, he didn't really 
feature as well as he had done in maybe the years previous, but he's just back on the top of his game, Keen, and he, and he's been so unbelievably dangerous in his last, you know, whatever those thirteen matches, you know, since he came back in midway through the Six Nations. Yeah, he's been exceptional. I think he scored thirteen tries for Leinster this season, and they've all come in his last eight games. Um, and like, you know what? It's kind of it's how popular he is amongst the squad as well. Like he's like he constantly plays with a smile on his face, which becomes a bit of a cliche at times. But he genuinely does. Um, he just seems to be loving it. Um, he's he's become a massively important player for Ireland too. We saw that during the Six Nations, and you know that kick up the arse as he he described it himself was probably a blessing in disguise because he's probably come back even better now. And like Luke said, he's even more rounded. But it's so hard to pick out individuals within this Leinster team because just as an operation on and off the pitch you'd have to say it's just operating so so smoothly I'm I'm glad Luke picked out like I fully agree I thought uh, Henshaw was exceptional but I thought Ringrose was brilliant too um sometimes with Ringrose you know people are looking for the big flashy breaks and things like that but I would go back to the, the point we're talking about, which is the main point of Leinster at the moment, to speed a ball. I would urge anyone to look back and look at Gary Ringrow's role. In, it actually happened at the, the breakdown, which Gibson Park got blocked down for the try. But as we've discussed by Luke, that should have been a Leinster try. But look at Ringrow's desire to get to the ball, to get to the breakdown. So he jumps over a Toulouse player who's on the ground in front of him, uh, somehow manages to avoid that hits the rock at an absolutely ferocious speed, technically brilliant, blows. I can't remember who it was, one of the Toulouse forwards off the ball. And they're the kind of things that allow you to play this this fast game. And they're sometimes the kind of things that I think go unnoticed in Ringrose game. I remember in Twickenham as well, he had an absolutely ferocious one. He might not have gotten away with that one, if I remember correctly, but he just offers you so, so much at the moment. But like I said, it's really hard to pick out Players, I think Hugo Keenan has become really important to the, the, the attacking system. I think he's far more comfortable now at stepping up as that extra playmaker. And like we said, James Lowe is as well. And that has a massive knock-on effect, I think, to how well Johnny Sexton is playing because Ireland and Leinster are not as reliant on him anymore. So he's still getting the shots on contact because he's taking the ball so close to the line. But you're never going to change that because that's part of what makes him such a brilliant player. But there's definitely less reliance on him. And I think a uh, consequence of that is Ireland and Lens are less predictable in attack because we all go back to George Ford's comment a couple of years ago, stop Sexton and you stop Ireland. I don't think you can say that's the case. Now, he's still massively, massively important, but I think you've got threats in, in other areas of the pitch. I think Robbie Henshaw is going to benefit massively from the, the time that he missed through injury because he just looks so fresh at the moment. He's in for a big end to the season. Um, I don't our... remember him having a bad, but do you? I don't remember him having one bad bit of play. Tackling wise, his tackling was unbelievable, but also his carrying. Like he just got meters where you were. He, he Potrano was probably still having nightmares about him hitting into him, like just kind of carrying him around, you know, like tw- twisting off him. Like making easy yards, like he was unbelievable all day. I thought. I sorry, I thought Ringrose was too. Like, like Ringrose isn't a kind of heavy built guy, not a heavy like Henshaw's kind of a heavier set guy, um, maybe naturally a bit bigger. But Jesus, I, I have to say, Ringrose punches so far above his weight. Like the two of them, I think it's so important. The more I look at it, the more I think all the best teams are really solid in like from 10, 12, 13. Of course, you want to have good attacking ability. But I think when England are playing their best, when New Zealand are playing their best, South Africa, etc., you've got a pretty strong 10 defensively, which, which Johnny Sexton is too. But you've got a pair of centers that you're just like, Jesus, like 
we've got to be so on. We've got to be perfect here to break them down. It's got to be a brilliant bit of play, um, you know, because they just don't make they make so few mistakes. I think. Would you think that is? And they're so good. Those guys having good centers is so important because they end up on the end of your line an awful lot, organizing your forwards for defense. So having those two guys there, I just can't. I think every great team I can think of has always had a really great center partnership, and I think that's probably something we don't talk about a lot with Leinster, but they're so solid. I think they're brilliant. And they, they know each other inside out now as well at this point. Like they've played together for so long for, for both Leinster and Ireland. But I think Henshaw, this is something I was writing about and definitely talking to you guys, I think, last week as well. Particularly in Welford Road, he really set the tone, I think, defensively for Leinster. And he did the same again last weekend. He's, he's, he's a defensive linchpin, I think, you know, we can talk about how brilliant the attack is and it really is, but God, they were so aggressive in defense as well. Even you saw Dan Sheehan coming off um, or coming on later in the game. Oh, an absolutely massive hit on the, the center, Fusak, who, like you can see him, I, was, I tweeted out a, a, a gif of it. You can see Dan Sheehan pointing him out in the line, like, and you can imagine what he's saying, probably not to be, not to be repeated <laughs> on a podcast, but he, <laughs> he lines him up. And then it's like technically brilliant, the tackle that he puts in. He drives him back. And I mean, the boost that that must give to guys around you, particularly at that stage of the game. And that's exactly the kind of impact that you want off the bench. And like, Will, you mentioned that, you know, Johnny Sexton and Gibson Park weren't playing in that semi-final last year. But like, you know, neither was Dan Sheehan and like Leinster do have a kind of a, a freshen kind of look to it. And a guy who we haven't really mentioned yet because we're probably just so used to him playing eight and nine out of 10 every week is Josh van der Fleer. And we know his game has gone to another level as well this year. So, um, I think the Leinster team now, they've made tweaks in their game plan, but there's also different personnel hopefully available for, for the game. So I think they're in a far better place now than they were when they faced La Rochelle this time last year. Yeah, because another thing that jumps out, you know, when you're going through all picking out one Leinster player, is just how much of a full deck they have to pick from mm. injury-wise. I know Tyke Furlong obviously is maybe carrying a bit of a knock and he's touch and go. Keller will be a loss too. Keller was, yeah. Keller was brilliant. His I think his throwing, what do you think about his throwing improvement? Any... I think it's been unbelievably good. He looks really polished now. Sorry, to, Will, you're in the middle of making a point. I just realized that now I can see from your no, face. Sorry. <laughs> it was, I was just saying that, you know, to, to win a Champions Cup, to win, uh, you know, a double, you need to have your best guys fit and firing. And, you know, as Keen mentioned, and I was talking about earlier, Sexton gives some park injured last year. Kalen Doris was sidelined with those concussion issues as well. He's unbelievably important to this team too. They have all those guys back. They, you know, and Furlong is fit as well. They basically have a completely full deck to pick from. Yeah, absolutely. Strong. The bench looks really good. Sorry to, to interrupt. Like, I think like, the, it. It, it looks, and then you bring in like the likes of Frawley. Like, I think Frawley starts in a lot of like a lot of the top teams around the place. Now we haven't seen enough of him because he doesn't play enough rugby, but like having him on your bench, it's a real luxury, like you know, and, and having Ross Byrne on your bench, very solid as well. Uh Luke McGrath, like Luke McGrath, it, like he's a brilliant rugby player, too. So I think even yes, your forwards are brilliant. Um you know, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, um, you know, th- as you say, a full deck provided though. Like, if, I think it is important though that Kelleher and, um, like Kelleher and Furlong become really important against La Rochelle given the strength of the scrum. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I do think that'll be important for them if they want to beat La Rochelle. I think that'll be really, it just it could be such a long day without them, but we wait and see. Sorry, Keen, you were going to come in as well. Uh, no, yeah, I was just going to say that, that that probably goes down to the point I made at the very start about the conditioning of the players, Will, that like you do have a full deck, but you have guys who are in seriously good condition. And look, it goes back to, you know, like Luke said, how well they train, but also how well they're managed. And 
that like mini preseason that they had around Christmas uh, with Stuart Lancaster has stood to them. And so like, so has the fact that like the frontline players stayed at home for that two weeks in South Africa. So um, like I said, everything is just ticking along nicely. Um, but it's kind of a weird place to be in from like an Irish perspective, isn't it? Like never used to be in this like red hot favorites going into anything, let alone a European final. So um, you can imagine Ron O'Gara will be absolutely loving all the talk that, oh, it's Lancers to lose. Um, but yeah, like if he rolls out Will Skelton on Saturday week, then, you know, there'll be a lot of, there'll be a <laughs> lot of Lancers to lose. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be a lot speaking of Lancers to lose. Speaking of nightmares or someone continuing to give you nightmares. Jesus, yeah. That was like, a disaster. But sorry, the key thing again, defensively against him, like he just, once they got a bit of go forward, someone like him is a nightmare and you've got to be disciplined. Like it's going to hurt when you're hitting them, but you've got to get off the line and the collision has got to hurt you because it's going to hurt you regardless. The collision has got to happen further back from the game line than it did last year. You've got to force yourself to take steps forward against them, um, which pretty easy to say watching from the telly, but uh, <laughs> did you ever, did you ever play against him? No, I don't know if I did actually. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Who's the biggest? Um, who's the biggest like unit that you you played against? Because like he he's he's a unique like uh, unique. The two uh, uh, is it Alex? Uh, he was Alessandro. scary. Um, he was scary. Like the the number eight. Like because he ran with like he kind of Henry like, was Oh Henry Henry. Alex, sorry, Alex was the guy I used to play against. I used to well, Shaggy used to mark him a bit, but I remember marking him my first um, first international. I was I just turned nineteen. Honestly, he made a break from the 22, and I think Gervin Dempsey gone off injured. Honestly, I've, I, I, was, I was back. I think I might have been back pretty far. I don't know why I was back far, but he made a break in the opposite 22, and I remember thinking, it's the longest run over to someone to be like, to know it's going to hurt. Do you know, like, usually you go, you've got like a half a second, oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> it's like running for 50 meters now, and this is going to be unbelievably unpleasant. Um, and I held on to him in fairness, but it was unpleasant. But his brother Henry used to he used to run with kind of like a manic energy, even in his face, like like he was kind of you know, like he, he kind of was most people run really hard, you know, and they kind of might slowish into contact to even organize their body. He didn't even organize his body, he was so big, he'd just be like <laughs> I it was it, he'd be speeding up into contact. Sounds like a normal thing to say, but some people do it like more aggressively than other people. And also he was freaky strong. Like I remember talking to the guys in Leicester and the two laggy guys aren't really allowed to do much weights anyway. They get too big, but apparently like you, he'd like, you know, he was, he might do weights, weights like once every two weeks. They usually just put them on the bikes to keep the weight off them. But apparently he put on like 220, 240 kilos on the bench and it was like, you know, kind of five or six reps. And it was like, and like hadn't done weights, but one, like two weight sessions in a month or something like freaky strong guys. So He's the guy. He's the scariest guy I think I've ever come across in a rugby pitch. You're just praying it's not you that comes across him. It's funny. I was actually just showing someone that photo of the Tuilagi brothers at the weekend and pointing out that like Henry is like five times the size of Manu Tuilagi, who himself is an absolute monster as well. So I'll just show Henry was certainly the biggest. Anyway, okay, just on the other semi final in our show wrestling, you know, something about these franchises playing each other that just produces unwatchable garbage half the time. I was going in with very high hopes. I was seeing the two team sheets, but it didn't really play out as a very exciting spectacle. Once again, massive kicking issues for La Rochelle. Ronan O'Gara must be absolutely fuming watching uh, EIO West or, or Jules Police on sometimes as well, standing over the ball. But what did you take from that game? 
Yeah, it was a tough watch, wasn't it? I mean, you're kind of watching it, hoping to see a bit of, you know, Rogers' influence on La Rochelle. And to be fair, their end game, they, they did see it out well and West did score the late try. But even you're kind of watching it with Munster tinted glasses looking for a bit of, you know, to see Rassing's attacking shape under Mike Prendergast. But it just wasn't a day for, for the attacks, really, was it? So I think you're you're dead right, Will, to, to touch on Ohio West. Like, if you go back and look at all the great, uh, or, or, like any team who's won the Champions Cup over the last, maybe ever, apart from maybe Exeter is the one that sticks in my mind, but they all have great tens. And West is not a great 10. There's a reason that Ron O'Gara wanted Jack Crowley to sign from Munster. There's a reason West is leaving La Rochelle at the end of the season. Um, we've seen this before from him. And while it's, you know, it's not fair to pin it all on a goal kicker, if, you're, if your kicker isn't kicking goals in knockout games, particularly when it comes to semifinals and finals, that's a killer. Like that's, that's as much of a killer as it is if your scrum is is shaky. So um, I think that's a massive, massive weakness for, for La Rochelle going into the final. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Like, I mean, I presume they'll stick with him as a 10, but how could you have any trust in him? But if you didn't stick with him as a 10 and he was as your kicker and he was still starting 10, then it would knock his confidence. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a conundrum, I think, for, for O'Gara leading into next week. But I would imagine the game plan that they played against Racing is going to be exactly how they look to, to play against Leinster. They're going to try and take the game to them up front. Um, like Aldrich was really good as well, and he's obviously class player. They're really efficient around the breakdown. That's like a, an area Leinster are going to have to watch out for. Um, and they'll be they'll be quietly confident because of the because of them beating Leinster last season. For all that we'll talk about that Leinster are a very different proposition. They probably won't see it that way internally. At least they'll they'll be like, okay, well we beat them last year. You know, let's go out and do it again. But I would just I'd be shocked um, if La Rochelle won a Heineken Cup with Ohio West uh, playing ten when when he's not capable of kicking his goals when the pressure comes on. Now maybe he'll make me eat my words, but I'd be very surprised because we've seen it we've seen it happen from him over and over again. We've got to remember as well though, like that was a home match for them last year as well. Like that does make a big difference, you know. Um, Empty so, stadium though, wasn't it? So I know it's still. I know, but still, he was kicking on his own ground. Remember, he didn't. He, I don't think he missed a kick last year, did he? Or maybe he missed one. Uh, like he, he kicked a lot yeah, of goals. He was last like year. six from seven and kicked some very difficult ones last he year. He did kick some. No, he had a brilliant day from from the deck uh, uh, that day, and it was one of the things that was called out before the game is that he was he that was going to be a weakness for them. Um. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see now, kind of neutral ground. Um. You know whether because he like obviously that was uh, that well. It was probably more like a neutral ground um, against Racing, you know. So um, yeah, we wait and see on that one. That 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 can really hurt you in in a, in a final of kicking. He's good around the pitch, though, um, you know. And they if if they can actually hang on to the ball, they had loads of opportunity. They kind of drive you mad, like when things were going wrong. Like even Body coming on the pitch. Did you see Body throwing that one over the shoulder when there was when the game was in the balance? Like, did you see that? Yeah, like yeah. he was, so he he was. There was a guy to his left, and he passed it over his right shoulder, like into. There was a lot of passes like that in France. It was weird. It was oh, sorry, people can't see on um, on a podcast what I'm doing here, but like <laughs> if you watch the game, it was kind of crazy. And then they made some like there was some lovely play, like really really nice play. I think the sub hooker, I don't know who it was, came on, a nice looking player by the way. But uh, you know, drew in the winger, threw a little one hand pass out to the winger, uh, and and they got and they got away. But threw the ball like they just kind of threw, threw lots of good breaks and and couldn't really 
they weren't clinical at all. Like if they can hang on to the ball, they'll cause you trouble. And they certainly do challenge you in the tight exchanges. You got the likes of Vito there, Aldrich, as you mentioned. Like they, they, they are good. Like they, they can punish you and their backs are good too. Um, so, you know, you do have to be, I think you've really got to show up, you know, and I think, you know, you do have to move those big guys around though. Uh, if you, if, if this goes from set piece to set piece and they get to play five or six phases at a time, not go into those 10 to 15 phases regularly. I, I think they're difficult to beat. I really do. I think, and, and, you know, they're pretty smart. They've got a good line out too. Really good line out. Their ball was very strong as well. Uh, and obviously they'll go back to that from last year. They really shoved Lens around. And that was a bit of a mess. I thought Lens made of that, uh, that try as well. So it'll be fresh in their minds, uh, probably fresh at Lenster's too. So maybe they'll be able to fix it. So, I think it's an intriguing one. Obviously, the subplot of Raj there makes it even more intriguing. But even the two the two teams, you know, we they don't match up with us in terms of the pace, but they also we don't match up with them in terms of the weight very well. So you know, whoever gets out on top in that respect, um, you know, is probably going to win the game really because I, I do think there is still enough despite Ohio West kicking to to get them over the line from outside them, and they have a strong bench too. It's a cracking clash of styles, isn't it? Really, they summed it up well there. Like it's just like the power against the pace, and yeah, it's just it's it's perfectly kind of poised. I think, especially like I said, if Skelton comes back, to add even more power. But yeah, <laughs> well, Skelton, the- I really want Skelton to play in this game. I feel like it would be it won't be the class. You know, if Leinster go and win, which I think they would win anyway, but if they miss if Skelton doesn't play after the damage he did last year and when they played in Newcastle when he was playing for Saracens I just I don't know not that it'd be an asterisk or anything but I'd just be a little disappointed that they I'm just intrigued to see even how Leinster would go about trying to curtail him having not been able to do it the first two times yeah and like you said Will if if he was playing and they did manage to to beat them and they like you said there's a good chance they would it would kind of feel like maybe a monkey off the back for some of those lads who were in the pack, you know, like, I mean, that, okay, we've, we've proved the point. Uh, we can move on now. So, um, I, yeah, I hope he's playing as well. I hope Raj has kind of been trying to pull the wool over our eyes, which will be brilliant. Like, so we've, a, we've a long way to see, um, cause there's no way he'll play this weekend. You'd imagine against Stad, but, um, a long wait for Friday week to see the, to see the team sheets. Yeah. Just on Ron O'Gar, obviously like, you know, it's kind of it can be a bit annoying at times because everything is just O'Gara, O'Gara. But it, he is such an interesting figure. But like his first year as the official kind of head man, he was with John O'Gibbs last year, Luke, when they got to the two finals. So you have to give him a lot of credit for continuing on because it can be sometimes more difficult when you step into the head role after maybe being a number two. And he's getting he's gotten them back to the European Cup final. It's a huge achievement. Unbelievable work. Like, and he's come the, the tough way through it as well. Um, I'm so impressed with him. I, I loved Raj just generally. Like he was, a, he could be a fucker too, but he was, a, he was a great lad. I honestly, he was one of my favorite guys I ever played with. Um, and um, so competitive. He's great belief in himself, a real competitor, um, and uh, a hard worker too. Like you've got to be like to be that good at all the skills, kicking, passing, all that. You got to be a hard worker. So that's in there. Plus, he's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. So like I think he can kind of. He's kind of. A lot of the things that make it great coach, I think, because I do think you have to have great belief in yourself um, and, and what you're doing. Um, but you got to have the thinking and, and the, the competitiveness too. He's got he's a perfect coach, and I think he'll go on to do great things. And I think he's doing great things already. Um, and it's no surprise to anyone who kind of knows him well. Um, yeah, and he's do you know what? He's such an interesting guy. I think he really speaks. Like even if you look, I, I love listening to him on off the ball. Love it. Um, you know, he's such a, he says so many interesting things. There's lots of interesting points of view. Um, 
And um, I'm sure he'd be really, I'm sure he'd give you lots to think about as a player too, which is always important. It keeps it fresh. So great to see him doing well. Uh, and I hope it's a tight one, you know, in terms of Leinster. I, I don't want to see Leinster have a blowout win. I'd like, you know, if it is, obviously I want, I'd like a Leinster win, but I'd, I would like it to be tight. I'd like it to be both teams to play play well and not someone have a bad day, you know. Key, because when you look at O'Gara and, and his head co- coaching career with La Rochelle, like it's not as if, say, he'd gone back to Racing 92 where he'd already been as an assistant and inherited a team that had won a top 14 and had an unbelievable star-studded squad. Like La Rochelle have a very good squad, 100%, but they'd never been to a final until last year, you know? So it's not as if he went into a project that was already up and running. He kind of has helped create this. And now to go to back-to-back European finals is something that not very many teams have actually done. No, and he, he seems to have changed the culture around the way that the club look at the Champions Cup as well, which is no harm. I mean, it's obvious you can see you can see that from a player, how much it meant to him. But I remember I was telling you guys last week that I was reading a French publication uh, before the semi-finals and with three French clubs in it. And the, the, their kind of big question was, is this bad for the league? Because they haven't all secured their top 14 playoff spots. So that just shows you the attitude that still exists in France. But O'Gara, yeah, has come in and like he said, the, the, the top 14 is obviously still king in France, but that the Champions Cup is an absolutely massive carrot to, to aim for. And yeah, like, I mean, he's box office from, from our point of view, from a journalist's point of view, for the reasons that Luke outlined, because he's a fascinating mind. I think he's always really honest every time we speak to him. Um, you kind of come away. It's a bit like talking to Stuart Lancaster, I think. Every time you come away from chatting to him, you feel like you've learned something. You kind of go, oh, I never really thought of that situation or, or I did, didn't think of that like that. So they're the kind of guys who I personally love uh, chatting to. And I know you're kind of saying that oh, it'll be all O'Gara for the next kind of while, but or for next week. But I think bring it on. Like, I think he's no bad thing. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I, just, I, I know people are kind of be like fed up with it, but I, I just find him fascinating. And I think it, as well, like Donica Ryan is on the coaching staff now as Brilliant well. Job. And he, he's he's a part of why that kind of La Rochelle Mall is so good. So and he's only in there a wet week as well because he only retired from from rugby at the end of the season. So it was a real shrewd move from O'Gara to get him in as well. And like what a place to be learning learning the job. Like you know it's it's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, I'm massively impressed him as well with, with what he's done. And you know there's a lot of different cultures and you know mixtures of different styles within that squad. But he seems to have gelled it really really well together. And any of the players that I've kind of spoken to over the last couple of years about him all rave about him. So, um, yeah, he's certainly on his his upper trajectory. I think win or lose, I still think he's going to be, you know, on that same same graph. So um, it'll just be fascinating to watch his his kind of moves over the next few years. Obviously, he signed a long term deal at La Rochelle. He kind of said Munster approached him about taking over there and he said, thanks, but no thanks. So um, he's never not going to be in demand. That's for sure. Yeah, well, it's certainly going to be a fascinating two weeks looking ahead to Leinster La Rochelle. But for now, Key and Luke, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, lads. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. We will be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>